0: I know you've been going through uh, Romans 8, and I didn't want to be like, hey, well, I'll just teach in the middle of that, and and then next week Roy would have to be like, well, what he said was this, what we should have said was this. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quote from Romans 8 and go back to the Old Testament where that comes from. So it's Psalm 44. If you've got a Bible, and I hope you do, open it up to Psalm 44. Like in our church, we put it on the screen, but it's just nothing like having it Right in front of you. And in Psalm 44, we we realize, we'll get to the reading in a second, but we realize that the people of God have heard about God's greatness. It's been passed down through stories. And they expect to see it again and expect to experience his goodness. But right now they don't. And so if you were like, hey, is this just the fourth talk of the men's muster? This isn't talking, this is preaching. But also, we're going to talk about lament. I'm going to define that word and share that a little bit about in a little bit. But like it's a different speed than what we talked about on the the mountaintop. But as we open Psalm 44, we take up and we read it. We'll read, read the first eight verses to begin. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. That is for Israel. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me but you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever. Selah. Hmm. They begin by boasting in God. Right? We began our service boasting in God, praising God. We ought to. We need the reminder of that. We need to retell those stories, the stories of old and the stories of current, that God has been real in our hearts. He is true in living, but he is also real to us. And they're recounting all the ways that he, the Lord himself, not just the universe, not just circumstances, not fate, not these other lesser gods, not even like their fathers, no, the Lord himself has helped us. And we have heard what you did for us in the past. And so this was a song that they would sing as they would come together in the congregation. It's be- almost at the very beginning of the second book of the Psalms. And it's used in like um, j- gatherings in the synagogue or the temple. Right? So right now, I'm going to sing this song. No, I'm not going to do that, right? But it's a song that as you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah. And what happens is you hear these things and you're like, I believe that, but then here's my experience. And you begin to wonder, is that not true? Or am I misliving? Like, am I messed up? And so he recounted the ways. If you just saw it, the Gentiles were driven out, the nations, and God planted his people in the promised land. In reality, right now, these are the things that are taking place. They're talking through right there in the nation of Israel right now. I'm not here to sort out all of that. But God made a promise to his people. He kept his promise to them, and they experienced it, and they knew it and they are giving thanks and they're like we have heard with our ears the God of our fathers have told us we believed them and it is in the recounting of those sacred stories of God's faithfulness that they realize their problem what is their problem? they don't see it now they don't experience that now it's just a song on the radio of a better time. And they're sad. But instead of just taking like a mental health day and being like, I just need a, a time of day with myself here. They press in to the Lord. And I didn't mean to be snarky when I said that, but like like, collectively came together and like, are you, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you experiencing what I'm seeing? Am I the only one who's, like, experiencing sorrow in my life? Cara and I were talking about how the last couple of years in our lives have been a lot of sorrow. And then we realized, it's like, oh, it's been, like, seven. Right? And as you, like, think it through, you're like, I don't, I don't have it that bad. Like... We have our health. We're good. But it's all those little s sufferings or those little d deaths to self and some capital D deaths. It was kicked off with my father suddenly passing. And I told a little bit of the story of the men's muster, and I don't need to go over that. And what I didn't uh, share there, I realized later, is that my dad's life had been uh, prolonged for at least 15 years from when we thought he would die. And so that was a lot of grace. And we had a lot of good times together. I miss my dad. But he didn't get to meet his two youngest grandsons. He should have taken care of his body. He didn't. There's all those things, right? But that was sorrow, right? And every man has this, like, father wound. I don't need to get into all that. But it's like, I would just like my dad to call me and say, Hey, what are you up to, son? Hey, I'm proud of you. That's great. Tell me more about it, right? Nobody else is t- asking me what I'm doing. They're just asking me what I can do for them, right? I'd love just someone just like, Hey, I'm taking an interest in you. Come on, kids. Let's figure this out, right? Right before his death, we had decided, or the Lord had t- told us that we were supposed to have two more kids. Now, I'm not a young man, and my wife looks young, but like, <laughs> Having two kids in our 40s is no joke. But so many times, people in our church are like, we love that we have a pastor with young kids. And I was like, tell me about it. He's like, you get it. I was like, yeah, if the church is, isn't crying, it's dying. Like, It's like my kids are crying. I mean, how many times, we have a bathroom right behind where I preach, and now my next youngest kids try to just go to the bathroom while I'm preaching. I'm like, you know. But we're so excited the Lord... Told us to do that, and there's more to the story. And we, we get prepared, and we get pregnant, and we have a miscarriage. And you're like, Lord, you told us to do this. And I wouldn't say out loud that we felt tricked, but internally, like, are we are we, like, are we on the same page as him? And then we're obviously looking over our lives. Did we do anything to bring this upon ourselves? And another miscarriage, and we hadn't experienced that before. Again, I told you there's a different tone than the men's muster hair, but you experience that sorrow and and you can you, you, you feel bad for being feeling sorry for yourself. And then the Lord's like, "No, I hear you, and I see you." And then when we held little justice, and we're like, "Oh, justice, right?" And he's like, you don't even know what I'm going to bring into your life. <laughs> the joy, the fellowship, the intensity. For 20 years, my, my um, mother-in-law had Parkinson's. And it got worse and worse until she had no use of her hands. She was crippled probably her last seven years. And so all of my father-in-law's retirement, he had served his wife. Bathing caring for her, giving her water, giving her food. It's the most beautiful thing. And when she passed two years ago, and he's like, I would do it every single day since. I miss her so much, right? But after she passed, or actually right before she passed, he got diagnosed with leukemia. And he's like, I can't keep this pace of doing that. So when she passed, she got to meet those two youngest sons, Justice and Benjamin, and hold them. And they tell cell stories The youngest tells more stories about Oma, because there's her pictures everywhere, and there's stories about it. And they are the best chemotherapy for Grandpa. He's now at the end of his course. They're trying to figure out what they do next. And he's like, they're the ones keeping me alive. So we moved in, and then wisely we moved next door. A man needs a space. He does too. But no, we need our <laughs> space, right? And, and it's just this beautiful thing, right? But he, he would say, my father would say, he's a very straight black and white man. He would say, this suffering in my life has brought me closer to God than any of my successes. Because I have needed the Lord. Because before that, I could do all the things. And now, I'm like, you cannot get up on your shop again. I will get up there. Or my teen son will get up there and we'll clean it off, right? And so he'll, he'll sit in his recliner and be like, you know, I was thinking, which means I need you to do this chore before I'm going to do it. Hey, get to it whenever you can, which means the next time I have energy, I'm going to try to do it myself, right? And I'm like, well, while he's napping, let's do this, right? right? There's a lot of beauty in that, in, in all of this, right? But we have asked during those times of sorrow, And in those times of trouble and pain, Lord, why? Why? And how long? And that is what the nation had asked. In verse 9, Psalm 44, we'll read the next eight verses. It's a different attitude than boasting in God. But you have... Cast us off and put us to shame. And you do not go out with our enemies. You make us turn from the enemy. And those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. And you have given us, given us up like sheep intended for food. And have scattered us among the nations. And you shall sell your people for next to nothing. And are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors and a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword, like, a, like just a saying among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the enemy and the avenger and the courage to say this to God. Right. I've had gray hair as long as people have known me. Like, that kid's got gray hair. I don't know what to deal, right? And eventually, hopefully, my life wisdom catches up to it, right? But as I meet with older gentlemen, and you see in their life and in their eyes that they've lived well. Maybe not with a lot. Wrestled with sorrow. Walked through that. Had to forgive and forbear with friends who have left, had to make amends with their parents as they're passing on. Have have done the most amazing thing in raising kids where you have the most responsibility and the least amount of control. And they're better for it and not bitter for it, right? You do not automatically become wise as you get older, and you do not auto- automatically become mature, you just get old. But if you would become mature and speak even honestly with God like this, you're like, Lord, you are the one who told us to trust you, but this is what we see. And it's a congregational song to say that we are all experiencing this together. It's not just individual sorrows. There are those, but collectively we are. Weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Right? That's Romans 12, 15. And we we know, right? We know that the Christian life is that. Right? Weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. I always start with the sad part, but rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you're like, well, those don't kind of go together. That's like the, you know, the sun and the, you know whatever the light and the darkness. No, they actually do go together. And what happens is the, the world does not know about this though. They're very curious. Like, I just want my circumstances to be better so I can be happy. Well, eventually you won't. (laughs) And we have something people of God that not just in our private with god private devotional times with god where we honest but like publicly to be very honest sometimes we feel disappointed by god sometimes we feel forsaken sometimes it is hard to trust god that though he slay us we will yet trust him Because where else are we going to go? He has the words of eternal life. He loves us and He is for us. And He has proven that time and time again. We're going to get back to that in a moment. But what we have, church family, and the churches everywhere, the true genuine churches everywhere, is the language of lament. Lament. Now lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. I did not come up with that. That is from Mark Vergrop from Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Lament is a prayer spoken in pain that leads to trust. It is a complaint. You ever complained? How about this? Do you know any people who are complainers? Right? God is a great father, and he puts his siblings together. They're all a little bit different, and sometimes to get something out of one sibling, one of his kids, he puts another one alongside of him that's really bad at this thing that he wants to get out of this person. Right? Like, what's your deal? You're 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 a mess. For language we use at the men's huddle, right? You're a dumpster fire, right? men's muster. I'm confusing my words. Okay. But what happens is this person who's a complainer, we realize that like, that's actually really unattractive. And they're like, well, I'm not going to be a complainer. And so we bottle it in. And this Psalm is a complaint. And you go, wait a second. I thought we weren't supposed to complain. Do not grumble. Do not complain, son. We don't complain in this house. Get on with it. Right. And you realize That that's a malformed way of dealing with your emotions and your actual life experience. The real masculine thing is to say, let's take that complaint. Let's like figure it out. What is really wrong? What is the real problem? And let's actually turn up the volume on that. But not to our friends or to the void of the internet or to whatever. Let's turn that complaint to God. And I need lament, and even if you didn't know before you came on this sunny church morning that you need lament, you do too, because lament floods the pages of Scripture, and the practice of lament is so crucial that if one part of the church is grieving, it is true that the rest of the church is called to enter that pain. Not just be like, hey, let us know if you need something. No one in our church family was like, let us know if you need something in your grief. They're like, we love you. We are with you. And my father-in-law's church, not one time has an elder come to visit his home to pray for him. Nor in 20 years did any of them come visit my mother-in-law to pray for them. She went to the prayer meeting, sat there and prayed and struggled to the words. There was a room for it and that was great. And they On the announcements, we have a prayer ministry. You should go join them. They're really praying. Not once did someone come do that. Now I'm not bitter about it. I'm just complaining. Okay. (laughs) So we organized our church. We're just up the road, and we moved to down to be with them. But we're half hour north in Oregon City. We're like, we are going to go there, and we are going to pray, and we're going to lament, and we're going to worship alongside. Because here is a woman that did that for decades and years that led prayer movements. What used to be called Moms in Touch is now Moms in Prayers. She was like the state coordinator for that. Right? And so you leer at her passing, and you get all of these notes like, oh, I prayed with your mom for years. And we're like, we didn't even know you. She wasn't bragging about it, she was just doing the stuff. And when she couldn't lift her hands, we were doing that. And it was the best thing that our kids ever got to see. Someone aging. Someone's body is breaking down. An older, capable, resourceful, responsible man going, I can't do this by myself. I need help. And I'm like, you have never stood taller in your life. And it's a beautiful thing when the church does this together and enters this pain together and we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also weep with those who weep. And we don't just stand in judgment over those who are weeping like, hey, it's going to get better, and offer these trite sayings. But sometimes, when this weeping happens, people come along and say, you know, you should really check yourself Like maybe you did something wrong. Right? What did this person do to deserve this? And they try to draw a line. But sometimes, it is not your fault why the evil happens. And I would say, actually, it's most of the time not your fault. But we should be honest. Like, Lord, is there anything? Search me and know me if there's any wicked way in me. Right? Like, let me know do that together but sometimes god's people suffer for reasons that they cannot make sense of they cannot point the lines to and in these psalms of lament they're realizing that it's not time for me to repent i know i did bad but like just com- give the complaint to god you ask God for his intervention to deliver you from that suffering or that sorrow or that great loss or those failures or those enemies. And it's not just the big things, it's the little things, those little sufferings that if you do not deal with them, they will just, they will wear wage war within your body and you will wear yourself out. And so I'm really proud to be a part of the people of God with the history with God who can honestly go to him and say, this is not what we expected. We've searched our hearts and we know that we are wicked and evil and we have repented, but we don't deserve this. And they did not in a self-righteous way, but they recount their history and say, God, you should help us. Verse 17, all this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and have covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, right? Like like if we had like done stuff to deserve this, would not God search this out? For he knows the secret of the heart. Yet for your sake, we are killed all day long and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. One of my favorite psalms of lament, there's a lot of them. I'll just mention a few of the ones you could look at. This one's a communal psalm of lament. It's like together, Psalm 44, but you have Psalms 3, 6, 22, 28, 44, 55, sorry, 56, 55's not... 57, 71, 77, 142. If you need these, just text Rory, and then he'll text me, and then we'll just, you know, whatever. Right? But Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is just like a jewel. And I remember about 25 years ago, crying out to God about some injustice that I saw that I was, I was, I wouldn't say I'm a victim to, but like collateral damage of. And I was like, I don't get it. Why do the wicked get ahead and get this? And like, God is not doing anything. And you go to Psalm 73 and you realize, and he's recounting all of this. And he goes, and then I went into the assembly. I went in and I saw with my own eyes the end of the wicked. They're singing praise to God that in him all things that are wrong will be made right and every injustice will be made just And that is where this psalmist here in 44 goes. And this is where Romans 8 takes us. Because it isn't as well, you know? Life's hard and then you die and then it's, you know, whatever. Like, we can truly hope that every injustice that we face or oftentimes it's the people that we love and you're like, why do they have to go through this? I don't know how many times people have come to us and said, we we don't know a better person, more saintly person then your mother-in-law. We do not know why she went through this. How many times my father-in-law said, I actually deserved what she got. But we don't know the end of the story with those sufferings. And so Psalm 44 is picked up, takes a verse from a, a phrase from verse 11 and in verse 22 develops it a little bit fully. And that, that these circumstances, God's people suffer, uh, in these circumstances that God's people suffer death, specifically at the hands of those who oppose God, that it is unjust. And Paul picks up this theme in Romans 8, verse 36, and he uses this verse to, com- to remind Christian believers that God's people have always had to face similar situations. Yet they must not conclude by looking at the suffering of their lives or the suffering of the just and righteous people that they are therefore separated from the love of Christ. We have something to offer the world and that is the language of lament, not just mere human complaint. And it is because we have a person to offer the world because there is a person who offered himself to all people. Why do bad things happen to good people? It has only happened one time in history. There is no one good. One time in history did evil come upon a good man. And he went right through it. It didn't happen to him. He chose to suffer evil with his people, alongside his people, in place of his people. Jesus fulfills Psalm 44 and he is the focus of Romans 8 to say that it isn't just at the end of our life we plead, God, would you make everything right? But rather we can complain. Sorry, proclaim, not complain. We can proclaim that in the end, Jesus will right all wrongs because he is the suffering servant who is also the risen king. And he is more real than our circumstances, which are temporary. And those who give their lives in the cause of following Christ are conquerors, not victims. And God can be glorified even in our seeming defeat here on earth. Because what looks like terrible defeat actually turns out to be a glorious victory. Because we know that God will help us. Psalm 44, verse 23. Awake. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise. Do you cast us off forever? You'll notice that he ends the psalm in a different tone than he ends Romans 8. But the excitement should be similar. Psalm 44 will end with a plea. But Jesus fulfilled that prayer request, answered that. So at the end of Romans 8, we know and have seen that it is victory. Verse 23, Awake. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do you not? Do you not cast us off? Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our body is bowed down to the dust and our bol- our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. And Jesus goes, "I certainly have the man of sorrows acquainted with grief." did not stand afar off and proclaim victory. He entered the battle as the invisible warrior, then become visible in the incarnation and lived the perfect life that we should live but haven't. And so when we go to the communion table and we pick up that cracker and we proclaim his death, we also proclaim his resurrection. Jesus lived the life that we should live but we haven't, yet he forgives us our sins and he heals us, and he gives us a sure hope and a sure future. This weekend, spending time with your men, I was like, these guys are the real deal. The real deal. I don't think that if someone, if one of your kids grows up and they say, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and someone asked like, like nominally Christian, like you guys were making business connections, like your dad did insurance and you're kind of just like, you know, just working in the room. No, I think sincerely. We were sincere Christians. That when they see their dad, like, admit his failures and his need for God to show up in a situation, that is a masculine, manly thing. When they hear mama proclaim God's promises, even if there's a situation, it's like, we don't know what's happening here, but we just weep together. That is courageous and strong. And so the Apostle Paul takes verse 22 and really all of Psalm 44 and he, he, he takes it to the end. And I, don't th- I think I didn't tell you to put this verse up there if you want to. It's Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Jesus is the one who hears our lament. And he lived a life of lament and victory. And so we can understand that everything happening in his life was to prove He was the true Son of God. And everything that is happening in our life is to make us more like Him. And that resolves a great deal of anxiety and gives us the language to offer to one another and even to the world to say, we do not have to live bitter towards our Maker. We can be honest with Him because He has been honest with us. Let's pray. Father, as we respond in song, we have a million things going through our minds, not just what do we have to do next, but maybe we're trying to make sense of um, even how we respond in stressful, conflicted, painful situations. And I love how Jesus knows our frame. He knows our failures. He knows how we run sometimes away from you in the times that we just, we don't know how to make sense of it all. And he does not move or forsake us. We are not forsaken. We are yours. Thank you for suffering with us. Thank you for suffering for us. Thank you that suffering will have an end and expiration date and that we will reign with you forever and ever in Christ, his name, glorious
1: name, amen. 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 Janet, if you want to just kind of strum and don't leave yet, Jeff. Man, I've had a steady stream probably the last 15 minutes here. I don't know for me, I uh, shared last week just our heartache. Uh, what's really encouraging is just as I've opened up to the body about our hurt, oh, I have felt such relief and encouragement. This week has been so good for me. Um, almost just, I mentioned chest pain last week, and I just have felt relief from that. The muster is just so good. People can ask me about my pain, and I can look him in the eye and make it through without breaking down. And you know, but the Lord is just so good to kind of open the wound and cleanse it with His saline solution of the preacher and the Word. man, this life is hard. Hearing Jeff's stories and multiple miscarriages, we learned at the muster this week that we're to just consider one another. Think about the wounds that we're going through together that we can lift each other up and encourage. And, Guys, just during this sermon, I'm just scanning the room with my heart and I just... See Catherine here, whose mom passed away last week. Rhett was in my cabin and just said, we've been going through that, that Jeff's going through. And it's like, oh, it's good to hear him say that. It just reminds me. Just think of the Teskies and celebrating Sylvie this week. 14 years old, she would be. Yeah, I remember. Remember when you lost her, and to just see the Teskies every year. In February, January, there's a celebration that they have remembering their little girl that passed away. Heather, just thinking of you. Oh, the pain that we go through, you guys. It's okay to groan together. We learned that last week. It's okay to complain. Just if you're groaning with me, if you just have hurt, we just stand up where you're at. Any kind of groaning, any kind of hurt right now. I just feel there's a word for us as a church. Let's let it out. Let's groan together. I just I I don't know if I've ever said to the Lord before where are you? where are you? I will see you Psalm 73 that Jeff was talking about just seems like the wicked are winning why are the wicked winning Lord? oh had a special meeting and dinner this week. So frustrated with uh, our nation. So frustrated with just greed and corruption, and that you would just let little children suffer and be ripped apart from families and go to dangerous homes. Like, what the heck? <laughs> And uh, I just know you guys all. There's just different things, right? Different painful things. <sighs> Man, that Psalm 44 today—it wasn't a lot of whipped cream on it. it. wasn't a lot of sweets, you know. At The end. There's a little. There's a little delicacy you know at the end but it's a lot of like you're not going out with us against our enemies you know it seems like they're the ones that are winning it seems like cancers having the final word it seems like dementia is having the final word it seems like miscarriages are having the final word it seems like bitterness among friends is having the final word it seems like uh seems like our nation is just yeah that we're done that's done. Like, where are you, Lord? We've been gathering every week, crying out for you. And uh, the Lord can handle it. He can handle us groaning and complaining. And he's put his spirit in us to also know that none of that has the final word. And Jeff, I just wondered if you'd pray over our hurting, hurting body.
0: Lord, you have appointed shepherds here who are attentive to the needs of the people, often practical needs, certainly spiritual needs and emotional, relational needs. But how much more are you attentive to all of us and each one? There may be someone who's, who's brand new here. Praise God. Or someone who's been serving for years and they They kind of just feel like they're going through the motions. And would you give them that sense of I am seen, I am heard, I am known, I am one of God's children? He knows I cannot take this, I am hurting. And we know that better days are ahead. Eternally, but also in these, even today, there will be moments where we will laugh and talk and share stories and, and just eat and, 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 and go to bed just having spent ourselves on a good Sunday, not just working, but thinking about how you are working. And we pray your blessing upon these people. God, I pray your blessing upon you, these people in this place for your purposes all over this valley. That the revival, the honest revival of, 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 of worship and in the word and, and, and of caring and loving and, 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 and forbearing with people all over this region would be so genuine, not just in this congregation, but others, and you would light fires everywhere and, and make it so real that you are risen and you are followed And that you have the final word in people's lives. You have the final word over death. And you have the final word in each each person's day. And I pray that, that that would just be a sweet season of remembering the great things that you have done in the past. And recounting the goodness that each has experienced right now in this present days. That is what we ask for even this very month. In Christ's name. Amen.
1: And thank you so much. I don't remember ever in twenty-five years of ministry having to go find a Kleenex box for myself during church, but I'm thankful for it. It's very healing, you guys, to just stand together and just let the body help bear our burdens. And I'm just so thankful for you all. And thank you for this word. And will you guys all stand together with me and let's let's sing the whipped cream part of of it all seeing that uh, death doesn't have the final word suffering doesn't we have a resurrected king that we follow and he wins always wins let's rejoice in that today